ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, welcome to Tap Tuesday, brought to you by Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly elite products that provide all of the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what Tap delivers. This week I sit down with Andrew Schroeder of Sasquatch Fuel. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Andrew Schroeder. Andrew, thank you, man. I appreciate your time. Um the owner of Sasquatch Fuel. Welcome. Hey, guy. I really appreciate you having me on, too. This is an awesome opportunity. Yes, sir. Love what you got going on. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. So we're going to drop right into it, man. I'd like to start off with Andrew so we can get a little bit about the man behind Sasquatch Fuel. Um, so why don't you give us an intro, bud? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, my name's Andrew. I'm from Bozeman, Montana, and uh, I've been living out here in the West for, I don't know, going on nine, 10 years now. And uh, originally from Michigan and uh, moved out here, yeah, 2010, and really haven't looked back since. You know, I missed the water a little bit, but I mean, you can't trade off the mountains and the Blue River, Blue Ribbon trout streams. So it's, uh, it's definitely awesome out here. Awesome country. So that's a beautiful place, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, pretty much anything you want to do outdoors, it's available. And I mean, I got family in Michigan still, and they're like begging me to come back. And <laughs> it's like, I tell them, I, I don't think I could do that. I mean, I'd be bored out of my mind. Probably <laughs> the mountains got you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's yeah, kind of the, Bozeman's kind of one of the meccas right now, man, for hunting and fishing and yeah. uh, industry folks and stuff there. So, and it's just beautiful. It's crazy to see it take off. It's crazy to see it take off around here. I mean, when I came out, I mean, I originally came out in like uh, 2007 for about a year uh, high school. 
and uh, then went back to Michigan for a couple of years until I decided this was the place I wanted to be. But I remember back in the day, it was, I mean, there was nothing going on. And uh, I mean, you go to any trailhead and you're pretty much the only person out there. And it's just, it's crazy to see the development going on and all the people moving to the Valley. It's, it's kind of like the words out now on Bozeman. So do you think it's, do you think that has something to do with people seeking to be more connected um, with nature and just getting away from these urban centers and, and just enjoying that aspect of life more on a regular basis? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this, this, this place, a lot of the people that come out here are from California or from the Midwest. And I mean, when I originally came out here, the people that you would run into were from the, you know, predominantly from the Midwest. And that was mainly from the recession. I know that just a lot of people from Michigan and Minnesota and Wisconsin just all kind of picked up and came out here to start a new life. Um, but, but since then I've just been noticing like several years now, a huge influx of people from all over really, but you know, a lot of people from Cali out here. Um, and I think it just, I think it is, I, I think, you know, to the people that live in a big city, I think that they view Bozeman as just this small, small, small town, a place to get away. And then for everyone that lives here as Montana native is just kind of like, Oh man, Bo's Angeles. <laughs> oh, that's horrible, man. So, I, you know, I'm in LA, so I laugh, but man, yeah. I totally, I totally appreciate that, man. Cause, uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Planning. So, it's plan got isn't good and bad. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. But so, like I said, you can't beat country that, that, you know, no. Montana, man, it's just amazing. No, absolutely. I mean, 15 minutes from my house, you know, Blue Ribbon Trout Stream, you know, the Gallatin and you got the Madison, you know, Taylor Fork. I mean, it's, it's beautiful country. If you're into fly fishing and if you're into hunting, it's, it's equally as, as beautiful. So, you know, what, what really intrigued me when I got out here was, was backpacking in the mountains and, and doing a lot of fly fishing. Uh, that was kind of my, my introduction into Montana and it's crazy, man. I mean, there's so many undiscovered lakes, you know, lakes that hardly anyone knows about or anyone that's, you know, gone to them personally. And I mean, every now and then you, you stumble into a, a really nice area where it's just stocked to the gills, you know, and you, you kind of, you hit it perfect timing from, you know, when they drop in uh, and they, they stock the lake. You know, if you, if you get there a couple years after, and if it's been relatively untouched, it's just unfair up there. So they're doing, are they doing plane drops on the, on the stocking in those, in those remote lakes? Yeah. Yeah. I do know that they do a lot of, uh, uh, drop-ins and then, you know, normally I think they'll do, do one lake and then all the tributaries and rivers and streams kind of pick it up from there and carry it on through all the different lakes. And that's amazing, right, in this day and age to think that there's areas that are either untouched or not seeing much traffic in the way of, you know, in the way of us yeah. getting to it, right? I mean, that's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome because, you know, what you find is a lot of people aren't willing to hump back 10, 15 miles. You know, you, you, you do have a lot of people that are, but there's there's definitely more people. I mean, even in Bozeman, there's a lot of people that I know that, you know, don't do that. 
to me, it's like, what the hell are you doing in Bozeman, man? <laughs> get out and explore it, man. Yeah, absolutely. But so we get, we get caught yep. up in those little, those little haunts, right? We get that, that honey yep. hole and you, you get familiar with it and it's, you know, four or five miles oh. in and you're like, oh, it's great here. I'm going to stay here. Those habits are hard to break, man. Oh, they're really hard to break. I mean, it's funny you bring that up because for the first couple of years of, of being out here, my dad and I, and then, you know, my dad and I found a couple of lakes up in the crazies. And I mean, I was just so drawn to that area. It was really my first time back, like back in the mountains, uh, camping. And so it was just, you know, every, every summer it was like, you know, your heart's set on this spot cause you know, it's prime and you know, it's, you got to talk yourself out of it a lot of the time and go, go explore something new. Yeah. And when you, so, but when you do explore it, you end up finding more your new value. favorite spot. Yeah. Right. You yeah. go, Oh man, I got, it. and then that, then it's harder to stay at that new spot because you're like, man, what else is there to see? It's, it's like oh, a never absolutely. ending cycle, man. It's amazing. Absolutely. And there's no shortage of it out here. So, so how did you coming from, from Michigan there, man, how did you deal with jumping into the predator situation up there? Was that something you had to? Yeah. You know, to or? I think, uh, I think to just about anybody that moves out here, you know, you're definitely on your toes at first cause you really don't know what to expect, you know? And I know a lot of people that, that I guess don't, uh, you know, don't maybe understand the implications of going in the back country, without bear spray or without a, a sidearm. Um, but there's, there's a lot of people, myself included, where, you know, you move out here and you hear the war stories and you're like, I, I don't even, yeah, I'm bringing the bear spray, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I mean, back in Michigan, you didn't really have anything to worry about. You know, we had coyotes and, uh, that was about it really for us. Yeah. I have this, uh, we've been, we've been having this, uh, grizzly thing going back and forth on a few episodes man so what's your take on the grizz just to hear somebody else on it man you worry about yeah. them? Are you prepared for them what are you doing to prepare for them you know i i to say i'm not worried at all would be kind of a misrepresentation if i'm with somebody if i'm hiking or i'm backpacking or hunting like if i'm with somebody i'm golden i mean the thought really never crosses my mind you know of course i always bring you know, a sidearm or, or bear spray. Uh, but you know, if I'm going out there by myself and I'm going on a good 10, 12 mile hike, you know, that's when, that's when you're at mile 10 and you haven't seen anybody in hours and you're just like, I don't know, man, <laughs> you, start, you, start around, you start looking around a little differently, you know, same with mountain lions, really, you know, same, same story there. But, you know, for the most part, I think, I think that, uh, you know, as long as you're diligent and you have a little bit of luck on your side, you're, you're good to go. Right. Right. And the chances, I mean, we, we venture out a lot more than you hear something happening. Right. So, I mean, that ratio is yeah. pretty, is pretty favorable on our side, but yeah, there's something with the Grizz man that just, uh, that make me think, yeah. you know, it just makes me think a little more the cats I'm used to, but the Grizzly, man, we're still, uh, yeah. we're still dealing with that one. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and i mean every year it's just kind of a refresher you know every year every hunting season you know you, you uh you hear about those tragic events that are happening in livingston or i mean god just a couple of years ago right outside of bozeman uh you know 
the guy that I don't know if you saw that, but that guy that got mauled by that bear and he survived and he got about a mile or so away and the yeah, bear came bear back, back for him. And, you know, that badass got into his car and did a Facebook live video and drove himself. <laughs> like, only in Montana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, can you get that? Yeah. Well, I but, mean, uh, you look at Colorado, yeah. right? We had the guy that, that choked out a mountain lion this year. Right? Man, he's out there hiking or trail running or something, you know? So that yeah. guy's a badass. Yeah, I don't care uh, what anyone says, right? For sure. For sure. Different yep. outlook on uh, on Colorado at that point, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So give us a little bit, man, on, on the hunting and your outdoor life. When did you start? And, you know, was that something that you that you were into when you were uh, back there in Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was brought up into it, you know, I, I guess. Uh, fishing first and foremost was probably my biggest thing. You know, just, I, I remember from the moment I could walk, uh, I, I, my cousins and I would be down on the, on the docks catching sunfish and, and perch, man. Perch was where it was at. Um, and just basically my whole childhood was just spent fishing and spend time with my dad and my cousins and my grandma and grandpa and, you know, everyone was into it. And then when I got a little bit older, uh, my dad started taking me on hunting trips in Michigan, you know, just whitetail. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I never hunted in Michigan and, you know, just at, at that time, at that age, I was, I was a little bit, you know, bored, not to, not going to lie. I was a little bored and, you know, we never had any luck, you know, never, never saw anything. So, you know, coming out to Montana with that fishing background and, and then, you know, I knew that elk hunting was a thing out here. So as soon as I got out here, it was, it was fishing. And then my dad and I would go elk hunting. And for the first several years, I mean, we never, never got onto anything. So it wasn't until, I don't know, about four five years ago uh, when I started going out on my own and uh, was actually, you know, able to, able to, you know, tag out. And just, it just kind of brought a full circle, you know, like this is what, this is what's possible out here. It's, you know, cause up until then it was really like, you know, in Michigan, they do a lot of baiting and a lot of deer blinds and, you know, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of weight. And so coming out to here, it was just a whole other, whole other game, you know, and I just became addicted to it really. How can you not, so, especially chasing elk, yeah. man, that's just something that's unreal, yeah. man. Yeah. And I mean, even, even a lot of the time, you know, the most part when you're not seeing anything, it's, it's still addicting out here because what I like about it is, is you're getting off those trails. You know, I, I really love the backpack. I love the, I love the hike, but, but what I love about and I appreciate about hunting is you get to break off the trail. It's, it's a time to, you know, forge your own trail and, and rely on your human instincts. And that, that's really appealing to me. Yeah, that's uh I think that's the drive and draw for a lot of us, right? Is is you're you're yeah. you're you're pitting yourself against mother nature, right? Evolution yep. and I think to a greater level yourself, right? Because the fortitude yeah. it takes to break off of that trail and to keep tregging on, man, is is something else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, when you're when you're out there by yourself and you're you know, you're miles and miles away from your car, which is 
miles and miles back, back, you know, at the last trailhead in the middle of nowhere and you haven't seen anybody the whole day, you know, and it starts getting dark out and you start trying to recall like, okay, I got to go through this draw and over that ridge line that should be able to get towards my truck. You know, when it starts getting a little dark out and you're, you're trying to make your way back to the truck. And you know, that's when, for me, it's like, you know, it's, it's preparation, you know, meets, uh, meets your human instincts really, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I remember, I'll never forget it. I was back in Moose Jaw, uh, way back in Moose Jaw over here in, um, Little Bear Creek. And I mean, I didn't tell anybody where I was. I just went out hunting for the day. I skipped school at the time and, uh, you know, started getting dark out and I was, you know, trying to recall like how exactly am I going to get back to this truck? And at that point, you know, your heart rate starts picking up a little bit. You start thinking about bears. You start thinking about, you know, the weirdest shit, man. The voices in your head uh, start yelling. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, just the ability to overcome those, those basic fears, you know, that, 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 Hey, I'm prepared. I could stay the night out here if I had to, you know, I'm going to be all right. And just trying to calm yourself down you know, keeping a level head is a big part of it. And, uh, that's addicting to me. Yeah. Well, that, and then that satisfaction that comes through when oh. you're laughing at yourself, right. Um, yeah. at the end of it going, man, what was I thinking? Right. You, a lot of that stuff, <laughs> yeah. a lot of that stuff we don't share with anyone, right. We don't, we don't share the things that go bump in the night. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely, man. But yeah, that, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with the preparedness part, right? That's a huge, huge aspect of being able yeah. to go out there and do that stuff, right? It, it adds that confidence. It, it, yep. you know, you, you walk into the woods and at least a couple of those voices are gone already, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, without being prepared and without having some sort of knowledge, you know, and you're out there by yourself, I think you just, uh, you're asking for it at that point, you know? So what are you doing? What are you doing for, uh, for weapon? Are you rifle hunting? Are you bow hunting? Yeah. So I've been, I've been rifle hunting. Uh, I had a 300 wind mag and then, uh, this last year I transitioned to a seven MM, which I like a lot more. It's, it's not, it's not so much of a cannon, right? right. <laughs> That's what I should uh, is that seven. Yeah. MM. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I'd love to get into bow hunting. I just unfortunately haven't had the opportunity. Just haven't, uh, I guess I say that every year, man, every year I'm like next year I'm getting into bow. And then, you know, just, it just comes up way quicker than I'm expecting. And I'm like, shit. All right. Next year. Yeah. Well, there's so no one of these that. days. Like, yeah. Once you do that, it's I over think- with. Yeah. Cause I think bow hunting, you know, something that draws me to that is just, is just more, it's more instinctual. It's more, uh, up close and personal, you know? Yeah. And there's nothing, I mean, I have, I both right rifle hunt and I bow hunt, but bow hunting is absolutely yeah. my passion when it comes to being in the woods, man. You know, kind that's of, what almost everybody says that bow hunts, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely decreases your odds. Um, yeah, but, it's just something special about it, man. I don't want to use the word intimacy. Um, I think it's right. over, I think it's overused and maybe used wrong a lot of times. But there's something yeah. about having to close that distance and 
put in that, you know, that, that stock or put on that, that stock, excuse me. Um, there's just something next level about it, man. It, it's just an amazing yeah. experience. I've been on a couple bow hunts with my dad and some of his friends, uh, several years ago out here. And uh, man, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me too, is just being out there in the middle of the rut. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. what a, what a thing to encounter, mm-hmm. you know, these wild mystical creatures, huge beasts out there and they're bugling back at you. And it's just, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy, man. It, it's a, what, what amazes me is where they just pop up on you, right? You have yeah. eyes, all, you, you feel like you're looking all over, you're scanning, you're scanning, you're scanning, you turn left and then back right. And then there they are. <laughs> where in the world did you come from that quiet to be that big? They're just an yep. amazing animal, man. Amazing. Absolutely. So why don't we uh, jump into uh, the Sasquatch fuel, man? Why don't you give us some background? Yeah. Um, give us some background on that. You guys just got a, a pretty big award there that uh, that was huge. So why don't you just take us into Sasquatch, man? Okay, man. Yeah, I'll, uh, I kind of walk it back to the very beginning. You know, it starts uh, starts about six years ago maybe a little bit longer than that. And, you know, it goes right back into, you know, backpacking and, and find those Alpine lakes to fish. And, uh, you know, start off with my father and I doing it. And then, you know, I, I once was like, okay, like I'm totally capable of doing this on my own and bringing my friends out and, uh, you know, just going on several trips and, you know, never forget all the times that we saw aluminum mylar packaging just, either littered in the backcountry, like blatantly, or, you know, maybe it was by accident, but, you know, you're looking down in a, in a, in a old fire pit, you know, in an old camp and there's half burnt mylar or, you know, you're finding a half, you know, half of a mylar pouch in the bottom of a, uh, Alpine Lake. And it's just, it's disheartening, man. I mean, it's like, I, that's why I go up there is to get away from everything. And, you know, it, it's, it's really, uh, it's really disappointing to see something like that back there. So, you know, we would bring our own backpacking meals a lot of the time. Sometimes we'd mix in a little bit of mountain house and, uh, you know, eventually on one of the trips and the crazies, we were just like, man, someone needs to do something about this packaging, you know, cause it's a real, it, it, it's a, it's bullshit, you know, and Absolutely. people are always going to try and burn it. And, you know, it, it's going to blow away in someone's camp at some point. Um, so that was kind of where the whole idea started, you know, it was a pretty naive idea at the time, right? <laughs> it's just, well, Hey, let's just figure out some packaging somewhere along the line that, that, uh, you know, that would basically biodegrade. And that was, that was the idea. You know, we, we had make some of our backpacking meals, like I said, uh, to bring out with us. And then we had mix in some mountain house and it just, it just was like, man, let's, let's do something. Let's figure out packaging that could take care of some of that, 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 that litter in the back country and having absolutely no idea, you know, well that plus it was also, you know, the mountain house brand at the time where, you know, to me and to everyone that I was backpacking with, it, it just kind of seemed 
I don't know, maybe a little off-putting. It, it always seemed like a, a JC Penny catalog, you know, on the, on the front of the Mylar package. <laughs> it was like everyone's sitting around the fire. Everyone's got a huge cheesy, you know, grin on their face. And I love this, you know. Right. So it was just like, you know, everyone I knew was like, that's not how I feel when I'm eating Mountain House. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, just those two naive ideas of, all right, well, let's do a brand where it's more relatable to at least the people that we know. And uh, let's figure out some packaging. Well, you know, that, that was just, yeah, that was the beginning, man. It, it, it was at least another two and a half years of, I mean, consistent networking. And I mean, anything and everything I could do to, to get somebody on the phone and talk about packaging. And I kind of just went down the rabbit hole from there. Uh, you know, I, at the time I was, oh, I was probably 19 years old. Uh, I was moving mattresses. I was working at a local company here in town and I hated it, <laughs> hated it. And I was like, all right, well, you know, and I've always kind of had this, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, hustle mentality, uh, yeah, I've always been trying to figure out ways to make money on my own. And, uh, so at that time we were, what we were, my buddy and I that were working at that company, we started, uh, you know, we re, we would go into somebody's house to bring in this new mattress, right? This person would have just about a brand new mattress that were taken out and these mattresses would go to the dump. We would load them into a huge box truck until there was like 30 of them in there. And then once a week, we would drive out to the dump and just throw them all out there. Um, and that's when it just, yeah. And that's when it was like, man, somebody somewhere could use one of these mattresses. I know that, right? So, you know, it started off with just like a Craigslist posting and, uh, you know, trying to find somebody to buy these used mattresses. And it worked out. It, I ended up finding a wholesaler in town and, end up selling like 30 mattresses to her a week. And so it was good enough money to where I quit my job. And so I'd wake up every day, like 6.30 AM, make a pot of coffee and just get on the phone and just start researching, calling anybody I could in the food industry, anybody in the packaging industry and trying to figure out, you know, how does this stuff work? You know, how, how, you know, is there packaging like that? Is it possible to do this? And then, you know, later down the line, uh, it turned into, okay, now we got to deal with, you know, the USDA, we got to deal with, you know, so it was just talking to so many people for about two and a half years there, just about packaging and people are telling me, Hey, <laughs> good luck. That's never going to happen. You know, you naive idiot, <laughs> you, know, you, old, you know, idiot. Most people and, would throw uh, in a towel, man. Most people would yeah. say, you know, forget about it. This is this is an uphill battle, especially if they're, you know, getting getting that proverbial door shut in your face that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it and it was, you know, it was trying at times cuz, you know, I had friends, I had family, I had, you know, the girlfriend at the time was like, you know, maybe this isn't going to work out. Maybe you need to focus on something else and it just kind of, you know, it, it, life, you know, when you're, when you're not, when you're not successful at, at something that you're, that you're, that you're out for, uh, for, for two and a half years, <laughs> I mean, it, it does kick you in the face a bit. Oh yeah. Um, 
but then basically, you know, as luck would have it, I ran into a guy from Canada and, uh, he was a, a fisherman scientist and he wanted to make lures that were more attractive to fish. So we made these lures, he put them into fresh cold water rivers and he came back a couple of weeks later. And what he noticed was that these lures looked like they were melting. He's like, what the hell do I got going on here? And then uh, wow. he figured out what was going on. It, it was the microbes in the water that were eating away at the plastic. Um, and so, so that was really the beginning of it. I was like, okay, well, you know, uh, this is something that we're looking for. Because before it was like, we were looking at all sorts of things, you know, like packaging that would disintegrate. It was like made out of stone. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that works exactly, but. <laughs> goes over my head, but I just know that like once it got wet, it would start to deteriorate. But then, you know, eventually you're like, Oh man, that's not going to work out for people when they're in the back country, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah. So it was figuring out that technology. That was like the huge, that was the huge breaking point where it was like, okay, it's going to happen. Like I know that I know that there is a material out there that could do what I want to do. Um, how did and you then put, I'm, I'm sorry to cut yeah. you off. How did you, no. and maybe you're about to go into it, but how did you put two and two together from a fishing lure? Cause that's pretty, yeah, right. that's pretty freaking impressive. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, so, so basically if you look at a lot of these packages, uh, not the aluminum or mylar, but some of them have a, uh, predominantly like you ever heard of those compostable, the compostable tableware, compostable clamshells and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, compostable plant-based coffee cups. Well, what kind of gave it away to me was, you know, well, first of all, we couldn't use that material, right? Cause that material it's made from corn, but the, the, and it says it's compostable, but the biggest thing is, is it's only compostable if you put it into a machine for like 300 days or more at a certain yeah, certain temperature, certain, you know, certain environment. So that obviously wasn't going to work for what we wanted. Um, but just like knowing that these coffee cups had the, had a corn based polymer lining to it that was able to be resistant to, you know, boiling hot coffee, you know, that, that to me was like, okay, well, I know that they're using polymers for, you know, things like holding hot coffee what if you, what if these, what if this polymer that we're, that we have, uh, in, in this technology, what if it was turned into a film and, and it was, you know, lining a craft paper bag. So, so that's when it all began. And that's when it started, you know, we started working with these people and, uh, you know, cranking out some, some prototypes and, you know, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be calling them in the middle of the day. Hey, I just add a bunch of boiling water to the pouch. And it didn't leak, you know, and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, you know, it just, it just kind of spiraled from there, you know, so I worked with them and, and that's how we came into this, uh, this packaging that we have today. You know, obviously we've done different toxicity reports with different universities to make sure that, you know, when you add boiling water to the packaging, to that polymer, we wanted to know if any toxins were going to be released into the water, you know? And, uh, you know, all the tests, all the results came out negative and it was food safe and, you know, it was rock and roll time, really. Wow. That's an, that's amazing, man. I mean, to, again, to have the door shut on you and to 
look at this lure and that kind of spawn that that thought you know that this might be the path to go down man that's impressive that is freaking impressive yeah yeah i mean i attribute a lot of it just being uh you know, being naive and, and, and just, you know, that guy that's beating your head against the wall, <laughs> you know, uh, but just really passionate, man. I mean, the passion is what's carried me through everything. I mean, to me in the very beginning, it was just that problem that we saw of litter in the back country that that was enough to be like, Hey man, if this is going to be my life's mission right now, like, so be it. This is an important thing that needs to be taken care of. So, Heck yeah. You know, what's funny about that, right. Is you, is, you know, whether it's, and, and I'm sure we're being nice or right. It's accidental. Um, right. Or it's being oh, thrown yeah. out. It's always lighter coming out, right? It, it takes up less right. space. It's a heck of a lot lighter. And you're talking dehydrated right. meals. I mean, how much weight do they have anyway, even in the, you know, the larger yeah. pouches, right? I mean, that, that drives me crazy, man. That, I don't know. It, yeah. You talk about the mattresses too, right? And every, we're, we're so, yeah into just waste, 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 waste. Everything is just Absolutely. waste, you know? It's crazy, man. Crazy. Absolutely. And I mean, especially when you're talking about, you know, Mylar Pouch on the backcountry, you know, you're sitting around camp and you got the fire going. It's, it's blazing hot, right? Huge fire going. You got these saucy packages everywhere. You know, maybe out in bear country, that might enter your mind. You know, oh man, last thing I want to do is put a saucy package in my in my backpack and you know get this shit all over. So, I mean, I think I think that that has a lot to do with maybe somebody's mindset on. Well, you know, the fire's raging, just put it in. But you know, the problem is they don't completely break down. They don't completely burn up. So, yeah, I'm. I got to say, though, if you're if you're packing it in, whether it's wet or dry, you're smelling it. Right. right? I mean, toothpaste, things, you know, deodorants, there's right. stuff that have smell that's going to attract, you know, a bear. If he if he wants to explore that, he's going to explore whether it's an empty package and you got more risk right. with that package full, man. I think those are convenient cop outs. Um, Absolutely, man. You know what I mean? I just I'm not going to. Yeah, I can't get behind. And that's the thing about our packaging, that. man. That's that's the biggest thing about our packaging. We say it right on the back. It's it's you know, hey, these these pouches, they're no excuse for litter. You know, we're huge in pack in, pack out. I mean, the cool thing about these packages, I guess, is you can burn them in fire permissible areas. Uh, but but first and foremost, it's pack in, pack out, mm. you know. Not meant I've to leave people, there. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I've had people tell me, like, hey, I'm just gonna you know, like I, I think in a couple of years ago, there was this guide up in Alaska and he was like, I'm just going to bury your packaging. And it infuriated me. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's not what they're for, man. I mean, the whole purpose is, is we know that litter is going to happen, you know, whether it's accidental or just shitty people. Right. So as long as we're not part of the problem and we're part of the solution or the best solution that we can find, then then we're winning yeah that's awesome man yeah definitely definitely gonna get that say that again not meant to be left out there right it's absolutely not not meant to be left out i mean you can get on your website leave no trace yeah you get on your website and it's loud and clear on there right that this is a solution um yeah something to help the problem not you know yeah we gotta yeah we definitely have to do better in uh in that pack in pack out, man. I know, uh, here for me, when I go local, 
Um, yeah. One of the big things I see are mylar balloons, right? People look, you know, let balloons go or, oh, look, yep. oh, look at the balloon floating. Where do you think it ends up? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's on the hillsides that we're trekking on and, and you know, breaking trail. And uh, yeah, man, I think, uh, was it last year or two years ago? I don't know what it was about this area I was in, but uh, I think I pulled maybe, I might be exaggerating, but maybe 16, 17 mylar balloons out of there somewhere in the wow. neighborhood. And I mean, it was one hillside. Wow. So I don't know what the wind was doing that, you know, these things got to that point and just decided they were going to hang up. But it was crazy. Infuriating, man. I mean, and these, you start thinking about, okay, you know, I, I, you know, you're 15 miles back and you see an aluminum mylar package. That's awesome. You're going to pick it up. Right. You know, most people, I feel like that, you know, good people that cherish what we're doing, right. They're, they're going to pick it up. But the problem is, is, you know, being so remote in an area where hardly anybody traffics, you got to think about how much packaging is out there that's not been discovered. That's just taking a toll on the ecosystem or just, you know, waiting for waiting for someone to show up 10 years down the road. And, uh, you know, that's kind of that's kind of like where the, 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 the our packaging and the solution comes into play where it's like, you know, the, the stuff that you don't see. You know, let, let's take care of that stuff. So. I'm, I'm, I like to say I'm big on conservation, right? And, and that is a important topic for me. But to be able to sit down with someone that took some, I, some, and I should, I'm not belittling my efforts or anyone else's efforts, but some real action on something says a lot man. Sure. that says a that says a whole heck of a lot man that's awesome appreciate it man and we're all you know that's the thing is we're all in this together you know the the whole outdoor community you know and that's you know i've traveled the world quite a bit in my backpack uh and spend a lot of time over in asia specifically in latin america and you know that's that's what i that's what i really do cherish about the united states is you know our, uh, our, our, our prevention of litter, our, our, our societal acceptance of litter is just incredible compared to other countries. But, you know, I mean, that's with that said, it's, it could always be better, right? Right. Definitely. Definitely. We definitely have to do everything we can to preserve what we have. Yeah. Right. It's right. Like, there's a reason, there's a reason that you can go and find that new honey hole um, that feels yep. like it's never seen boots before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, honestly, that's what I love. You know, that's a big part of what I love about it is, you know, when you're, when you're back there, you're away from all, all sorts of different things. You're away from, uh, you know, societal expectations. You're, you're away from advertising. You're away from, you know, your day to day grind, the, the stressors, you know, and, if you're in an environment that, that is clean and pristine and it, you really do have that connection with the land, you have that connection to your, you know, your, your, your ancestral roots, you know, that's, that's what I love about it. You know? So when you, when you see packaging or you see litter, you know, like when I'm in Asia, for instance, and you're, you're going, you know, you're hiking back there, you're going to these caves or anything like that. You see just insane amounts of litter and it, for, it just takes the whole thing out of it for me. You know, you, you stop focusing on the land and focusing on the, 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 
just being out there and you start focusing on all the trash that's been left and it just infuriates me, man. And you know, whether it's a hundred boots in that area a year or two, the guy that was there before you probably walked in, had the same thought about how beautiful it was. Well, let the next guy come in behind you <laughs> yeah, right. and experience it that way without looking at your remnants, right? Which you felt like you didn't need to pack out for whatever reason. Just makes zero sense, man. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's, uh, let's cherish those environments and let's save them for, for other people and other generations. I think that that's, that's huge. That's a huge part of what we all do. Yeah. That, uh, man. Yeah. Big, big ups to you on that one, man. That's uh, the fortitude to stick with it and actually come up with something that, uh, yeah, that's that's huge, man. Huge, huge, huge. So appreciate it. Appreciate it. What uh, what are the offerings? Uh, what are we what are we looking at in terms of uh, flavors and and the grub we can see it and Sasquatch bags? Yeah. So uh, you know, currently right now, I mean, for us, you know, like I said, humble beginnings, man. Uh, you know, we had no outside investors and, you know, coming from blue collar work and family, uh, you know, it was really humble beginnings. And, you know, about four years ago, we started out our first year, we had a hundred pouches. We had uh, vegan rice and beans and a spaghetti and meat sauce. And, you know, the spaghetti and meat sauce, uh, the seasoning that we use in it, you know, I come from an Italian family. So that spaghetti and meat sauce, I was able to adapt, uh, you know, my mom and grandma's seasonings into it. And that was huge for me. And, uh, having a vegan option as well, you know, that, that doesn't have to be just vegan. Right. I met, I've met some guys that are like, you're vegan rice and beans with, you know, I had a guy I met. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I had a guy that I met at one of the parking lots. Cause he reached out to me and he says, Hey, I can't find your vegan rice and beans anywhere. I, I mean, I bought them all up. You know, can I meet you? Can I meet you at uh, Bob Ward's parking lot and buy like five cases from you? I'm like, yeah, man. So I meet him. He's a really cool dude. They're all going on a backcountry trip, and he's like, dude, your vegan rice and beans with some chorizo in it is by far the best backcountry meal I ever had. And ever since then, dude, I've been bringing a little bit of chorizo on my trips for sure. <laughs> but you know, in the beginning, it was like, hey, you know, let's uh, let's get a vegan you know, vegan meal out there and we'll start with that spaghetti and meat sauce. And, uh, you know, year two, uh, we opened up to a third meal. Um, I want to say it was the beef stroganoff. And then just every year we've been just trying to add meals. Uh, you know, as of now we have four meals, but come May 1st. So if, if, if you're playing this, you know, sometime in May, it's out there right now, but we have a, uh, a vegan rice and beans, a beef stroganoff, uh, spaghetti and meat sauce, Southwest mac and cheese. And then come, come the first week of May, we'll be launching our, uh, official meal of the, of the Arizona trail. It's, uh, it's like a burrito bowl. It's got, you know, sweet corn, black beans, uh, some really good chili con carne seasoning going on in there. Some lime. It's it's good stuff, man. So yeah, so I've had the stroganoff and the mac and cheese, and uh, okay, both of them were both of them were pretty good. I actually think, I actually think my buddy ate almost all my mac and cheese. 
I was like, yeah, check this out. <laughs> You're not talking about Jonathan, are you? No. <laughs> no. I know no. that guy loves mac and cheese, man. <laughs> He's always, hey, man, can I get some more mac and cheese? That shit is amazing. <laughs> but they, they're really, they are really good, man. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. What's, what's your favorite out of curiosity? You know, if I had to pick, I'm probably about the beef stroganoff or the mac and cheese, honestly. You know, it just kind of depends on kind of depends on the mood, really. I thought um, for sure you were going to say are the spaghetti and the meat sauce. <laughs> What's that? I said I, I thought you were for sure going to say the spaghetti and meat sauce. My, mom and grandma's uh, recipe. Yeah, there. yeah, right. Oh, mom, mom and grandma aren't listening to this one. So, <laughs> no, I, I'm just a sucker for beef stroganoff and mac and cheese, man. I mean, some of my favorite foods right there. And and, and back to the meals, it's like, you know you know, we're, you know, when we started this out, I was ordering samples from everybody I could, you know, and, uh, eventually like, I mean, we had, we had cases of freeze dried meat, you know, freeze dried Italian meatballs, freeze dried chicken, freeze dried beef, you name freeze dried eggs. And, uh, it was just, it didn't sit well. I mean, we were like, man, I wouldn't even feed this to the dog. It, it, it just didn't sit right. We were like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on the, on the freeze dried meat. So, you know, just started thinking about how we could, how we could roll out some meat into our meals. And it was like, well, what the hell did they use before freeze dryers? Right. Jerky. And I was like, man, I'd, I'd eat jerky any day of the week. You know, I love jerky. So then it just became finding the right jerky, finding the right, you know, the right farm to partner with. And, uh, you know, for a while there, man, I was rolling high on the, on the jerky. I mean, I had probably 30 pounds of jerky samples at my house. <laughs> oh. Dude, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Jerky's from Vermont, jerky's from, you know, everywhere you can think of, you know, and we just had big jerky tasting parties, you know, have the friends come over or have a couple beers, crack into some jerky. Oh yeah, this one's good, but not as good as the other one. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, man. And that's just kind of why we stuck with jerky. Cause you know, for us, the, the freeze dried meats didn't seem as palatable. didn't seem as, is, uh, I don't know. They didn't seem as good to us as the jerky. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you, I don't know if that's the right word, but you do lose a little of that, the texture and the quality of the meat too. When you, when you're rehydrating, yeah. right. I mean, that's, I think that's just kind of the nature of the beast, but yeah, the jerky's yeah, a great absolutely, idea there. absolutely. Because I'll tear up, I'll tear up a little bit of jerky and drop it in my pouch, you know, on top of it, just trying to get that extra protein in there, man. That, yeah, know. man. So absolutely. So so you guys are dehydrating or freeze drying your foods? We're we're uh, we're dehydrating. Uh, it's kind of like a mix between the two, really. Um, you know, some ingredients just do better freeze dried than they do dehydrated as far as reheating or keeping their flavor. So it really just comes down to the formulation and the meal, uh, and figuring out, you know, what ingredients and, and what, what type of process to use per ingredient is going to, you know, provide the best outcome. So, you know, you're looking at something like our new burrito bowl, the kicking cactus bowl, it's, uh, you know, freeze dried sweet corn because, it just it, it was way easier to reconstitute and had more flavor than uh, than dehydrated. So 
So, so it's not as easy as making a pot of something uh, and then just throwing it all in. I mean, this is there's some some thought into each right each piece. Yeah, of and I mean, you could say that's what that's what probably separates us from a lot of other people's meals as well. Is you know our meals have never been cooked. Like we we don't we don't cook in large batches and then freeze dry or dehydrate the meal and then bust it up into chunks and drop it into pouches. You know we we source all of our ingredients and uh, you know they're ready to be reconstituted basically. So I mean if you're looking at like say you want you know in your in your spaghetti you want a, a tomato sauce right. So for us we're looking at like okay let's get a really really good dehydrated you know, tomato that's been crushed, like a tomato powder. And let's use that. Cause you know, for us too, it was like, well, you know, we, we, we personally felt better about providing meals that hadn't been cooked before. So the first time that you're, that you're eating it on the trail is the first time it's actually being cooked. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's the, you know, and then that goes back into the freeze dry dehydrated where it's like, you know, what ingredients are going to work better? You know, if we, if we were to do the other option and, and, and cook in large batches and, and, uh, you know, dehydrate or freeze dry, it'd probably bring costs down and it'd probably be a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's just not the way we wanted to roll kind of back into the jerky situation where, you know, we wanted to do things a little bit different. We wanted to make it a little bit, uh, you know, fresh, fresher, like a fresher taste to it, you know? So but there's something to be said about, you know, packing in, whether it's five miles, 15 or 20, sitting around a campfire with a buddy or sitting around a campfire by yourself and eating a meal that you are enjoying. Right. They're just. Yeah. I don't care how many, you know, reconstituted packages I've opened and tried the ones that I don't like or wreak yeah. havoc on my gut. I remember those. Because they, I feel like they almost take away from the experience. I don't yeah, know if that yeah. sounds weird, but there's something about just, no. you know, being comfortable with your food and enjoying that meal and feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm satiated and I'm mentally satisfied from it. Yeah. I mean, you know, like what it's kind of the story about MREs, right? I mean, yeah, some people like them, right? <laughs> some people like them or, you know, there's some goodies in there that can, you know, lemon pound cake could be nice every now and then, but you know, the ingredients that go into it, you know, what it does to your system is just, it, you know what I'm saying, man? Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're feeling it for days oh, i mean man. i remember when we were eating mres and it's like i'm just rounding everybody up give me your gum man give me your gum <laughs> was there a bear in camp last night <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly oh, man oh man so, there's, there's you know, a couple that yeah. i i can't even look at the package man that they just <laughs> they just wreak havoc and then you know, the, the sodium content in a couple of them is so, and I understand, right. We, why the sodium, but there is so sure. much sodium that you just, right. Oh man, it's, it's almost unbearable. And I think that's important to clear up too, about some of our meals, you know, there's some of our meals you could look at and say, man, where's all this sodium coming from? This is a high amount of sodium and it, it's all from the jerky. You know, the jerky has a lot of sodium in it in the, in the brine. So when somebody's looking at, you know, the sodium in our meal and if they have a problem with it, you know, oh, that's too much sodium intake for me. Then my suggestion is maybe forego the jerky, 
Oh, there's yours are a lot lower than a lot. Yeah, right? I, absolutely. A lot lower. Like I said, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to say any brand names, right. but man, there, there's two in particular that uh, I, I can't. Yeah, I don't even look at them anymore. It's just like, whoa, man. Right. Yeah. I mean, with Sasquatch fuel, it's really what you see is what you get. You know, we, we use whole ingredients and uh, we don't use preservatives. We don't do any anti-clumping agents. You know, we stay away from that stuff. So a lot of that, you know, and that's a lot of the reason why we have a two year, you know, it's about a two year shelf life on these things. They won't last for 20 years, man. <laughs> right, right. And there's some, I mean, there, you know, there's some to that, be determined, right? But, right. but there's <laughs> some that don't even have here. a, that, that don't even have a date on the back. Right. Yeah. Best if used by, yeah. you don't even know that. Right. I mean, it's just like, whoa. <laughs> so Absolutely. nutritional value wise, man, you know, you got a lot of people that are, that are looking for organic gluten-free things like that. Are you guys venturing down that path? Is that something that, uh, yeah, you know, you know, like our vegan rice and beans is gluten-free. Uh, you know, we, we, we definitely want to roll into, um, maybe more of like a, uh, uh, paleo orient, well, not, not orienting the whole brand, but having, you know, offering different meals for different dietary restrictions. Um, you know, we have a ultra runner athlete, uh, ambassador. She has a whole host of, you know, dietary restrictions, everything from gluten to, uh, yeah, I can't even remember, man. It's a, it's a lot, a lot of things. And, and, uh, you know, so she, she right now she's eating our, our vegan rice and beans. And I mean, she's relying on this meal through, she ran like 130 miles to the Gobi desert, in Mongolia, and just depended on our meal. And, and to us that spoke a lot. It was like, man, if she can run 130 miles to the desert in Mongolia and survive off vegan rice and beans, like, so, yeah, <laughs> there's something to it. Right. Heck so, yeah. You know, as like I said, you know, we're coming from humble, humble beginnings. You know, we don't have all, we didn't have all the, the the money in the world. We didn't have an outside investor. It's literally like it was like, hey, let's take care of this problem. Let's see if we can do this, and <clears throat> let's roll out a hundred meals, real basic, and just see if there's a demand for it. And and every year has just been exponentially getting bigger and bigger, and so. You know, every year we, we go back to the drawing board and we're like, okay, let's, let's try and provide another meal or two this season. So every season we're going, we're adding one or two meals this year. We got that kicking cactus bowl. It's gluten-free, uh, a lot of organic ingredients in it. And, uh, we got a breakfast that, that we're looking to crank out soon, which is gluten-free organic, uh, it's it's the bee's knees, man. But just just finding a perfect time to 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 launch it. So so caloric value in the bags, man. Yeah. What uh, that's pretty important, right? Especially, well, I shouldn't say especially because you got an ultra athlete, man. That uh, that's demanding right. some uh, some calories there. But you know, we get out on these these multi day trips. <clears throat> excuse me in the back country and calories are pretty important right and i know for Absolutely. at least for me um i'll try and eat a, a hearty breakfast um and then i'll go almost all day and just snack here and there so what kind of calories are we running in, in some of the meals 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, these meals, basically what, the way that we formulate them and the way that we come up with the caloric intake, you know, it all starts with the kitchen. It all starts with formulating that meal idea, that suggestion that we had, um, and getting it to getting the, getting the right ingredients for it and getting it to taste good, getting like taste good for us at the kitchen level. And then once we have something where it's like, okay, I'm pretty damn proud of this, you know, it tastes good. The ingredients are all reconstituting, right? The water activity is all right. Let's put it to the pouch. Let's get it to our ambassadors, our athletes, and uh, let them test it out. And not all, not, you know, not every time is it the right quantity that we have that we give these, you know, give these ambassadors, you know, sometimes they come back. I mean, it's always constructive criticism, right? Someone's got to do it. You know, it can't be, it can't be just, you know, myself and my partner uh, saying, Hey, let's give this the green light. Right. So, you know, what we, what we do is after it gets to the package stage and it gets into the hands of our ambassadors and our athletes, you know, they, they take it, put it to the test. And that's when they come back and say, Hey, you know, maybe there needs to be a little bit more, maybe there needs to be, you know, it was the right amount or man, there's a lot of food left over <laughs> We don't need that much. And, uh, you know, between that and then, you know, working with some of these wildland firefighting crews, you know, they have, you know, they have an actual, uh, caloric, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like manual. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, always working with other people to decide, you know, what's the, what's the right amount. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, and I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're relying on feedback from, uh, some of those wildland firefighters, man, I know their, their caloric requirements. And like you said, oh. they're in a manual, right? They have to stay up on it with, uh, with the hard yeah. ass busting work that they're out there doing, man, trying to. Absolutely. Protect, uh, protect what they're protecting. Those guys are burning thousands. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. No joke there for sure. Wow. Um, so we talked about the future offerings. I'm excited, man, for this, uh, kicking cactus, man. That sounds pretty good. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, sounds pretty good. What uh, what what trips your trigger right now, man? As far as outdoors go, right? Um, and and what's pushing you to that that next that next level when you're getting outdoors? Yeah, um, like personally on a personal level, yeah, on a personal level. Yeah, man. I mean, for me, it's it's you know all about pushing further and deeper. You know, that's every year. It's like you know, I, I have a couple tests that I, you know, every year it sounds a little lame, but you know, like, uh, you know, we got, we got Mount Baldy here in the Bridgers, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's no easy task. It's, it's a, it's a tougher hike in, in around this, in the surrounding area of Bozeman. Um, and so it's like every year I kind of start off with that hike, you know, it's like, that's like the first one that says, okay, my body's in good shape or, oh man, I need to, I need to be, you know, in the gym doing a couple more lunges and getting my hip flexors ready, you know? And so that's, that's kind of, that's the, that's the starting point for me. And then, you know, last year we had a, we had an attempt at Granite Peak. No easy, no easy task with that. It's the highest peak in Montana. It's, it's one of the harder peaks to summit in the lower 48. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of feet of open exposure and, thousands and thousands of feet gained in elevation. And, uh, 
I mean, you're really back there. It's in the Astaroka Beartooth mountain range. So last year I had a buddy from Minnesota that, that originally is from Montana here, but he moved after college. So he came out and we're like, let's do this, man. And, uh, we got right up to the ice bridge and I mean, it was just a little too sketchy potatoes. It was really early in the season. We kind of just decided to, to head back down to base camp and, and call it. So, you know, that's, that's definitely a goal of mine. Uh, he's coming out in September. He's only coming out for about three days. He's coming back from New Zealand and, uh, I've been rumbling around in his head and I'm sure he's going to succumb to it. You know, Hey man, <laughs> we got to complete this. <laughs> I mean, that's how, that's how it always happens with yeah. this kid. You know, I, I got the idea and I whisper it in his ear and he just doesn't let go. <laughs> he sits and lets it stew. And then, you know, eventually it's like, well, hell yeah, man, let's do it. <laughs> and you're like, all right, hell yeah. You're the only one I know that's crazy. You have to go with me. Hell yeah. So I'd like to get Granite Peak done this year. Uh, I'd like to get to the, the Chinese wall and the Bob Marshall, uh, do some fly fishing back there as well. Um, mainly I would just really like to spend as much time as I can, you know, in the back country camping, you know, and fly fishing those Alpine lakes. So, and then as far as hunting season goes, man, I couldn't be more stoked. Uh, last year was my first, you know, my first successful season with elk. Uh, had a really good season with mule deer and tagged out and, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was just a phenomenal experience. And my cousin, he, he's the one that grew up on the docks with me fishing in Michigan. He came out and we stayed in a forest service cabin, him, his wife, and my girlfriend and I, we stayed up there for a couple nights in November and, uh, it was his first experience seeing the mountains. And man, if I always joke around, you know, if, if he wasn't married, man, he'd be out here. He'd be living here. This is his playground. But, uh, so, so he's coming out. He, he, uh, he put in for an elk tag and he drew. So he's coming out for two weeks in November. So it'll be, it'll be our first hunting experience together. And, uh, I couldn't be more stoked about it, man. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And it's important, right, to share that time with with family, yeah. you know, and loved ones out there, man. That's uh, as much yeah. as we like the solitude of going out and packing ourselves, man. There's, I don't know if there's uh, much that's any more rewarding. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, let's talk about uh, you, you Sasquatch Fuel won an award. Yeah. Man. Why don't you give us a little background on that award and you know, what that meant. And yeah. Uh, you know, basically, um, you know, with our packaging and our manufacturing process, cutting a lot of, uh, waste and, and, and carbon footprint and, uh, things like that out. I mean, it's just always a goal, right? Sasquatch fuel for, for me, it's, it's, it's more so about conservation, sustainability, making an impact before profit, you know, obviously you need profit to, to stay afloat. Right. But, but to me, it's like, it's never been a, a get rich thing. It's never been a, a, a hustle to get me there, you know, anything like that. It's always been about those core, you know, core objectives. Um, so, 
you know, I was, it's kind of a funny story. I was in, uh, <clears throat> I was in Asia for a couple months and, uh, uh, this lady reaches out to me. She works with Montana state university extension. And she said, Hey, you know, she's a huge fly fisherman. And, uh, she says, Hey, I, I, I tried out your meals last summer. They're my new go, go to meals. I love them. Uh, love what you're doing about the packaging. You know, we have these, these awards called the eco star awards every year, um, uh, where we like to recognize, you know, small businesses that are making an impact on the community, making an impact with sustainability and, and really doing, uh, doing what they can for pollution prevention. She said, well, so, you know, here's an application, no guarantees, you know, get, get back to me. And, uh, <laughs> I, unfortunately, man, I got really sick over in Asia for a couple months there. Uh, and you know, didn't, didn't end up getting back to her with the application. I mean, I reached out to her said, Hey, I got a fever of 104. I can't fill this application out right now. And she was so great. Like, so, so awesome to, uh, to extend the deadline for us. Um, yeah. So she extended the deadline for us and, uh, fill, you know, got back to the States, you know, a couple trips to the ER hospital, get her all fixed up and filled out that application, sent it in. And, you know, a couple of weeks later she got back and was like, Hey, congratulations. Um, so that was really cool. We went to the, uh, the, the Capitol building and, uh, in uh, Helena and, yeah, I mean, got to meet Steve Bullock, our governor, and uh, there's about, I don't know, 10, 12 other businesses there that all, all you know, from all around Montana and different communities. And uh, it was just really cool to see, to see what everybody's achieving. And then when you add up the numbers at the end, you know, from these businesses alone, like this is what we've been able to, to accomplish with pollution prevention. Um, like to put it in perspective, we saved one metric ton of CO2 emissions in our manufacturing this year. Uh, so that, that was, that was part of, part of the, uh, part of the award. And yeah, it's, it's, it was cool, man. It's a humbling experience. So it's, it's definitely my first trophy of Sasquatch feel <laughs> first trophy in a while. You know, things worth more than weight and gold. So it's, you know, it's awesome, man. I mean, that's a big deal, right? I mean, to take it from, you know, struggling, trying to figure something yeah. out and, and making that impact, um, you know, and not be living, yeah. but in your own small way to be recognized yep. is uh, in your state there, man. That's a, that's a big deal, man. It, it can't go anywhere but up from that point, I'd imagine. Right. Right. I mean, they're all coming together, you know, like this, you know, the things that were every year, the snowball keeps getting bigger. Right. You know, in the very beginning, it was like, I'd be happy to get an email once a month. You know, it was just, it just was what it was, but every year it's just been like exponentially increasing until now it's like a snowball that's rolling down the hill and I'm just trying to manage it, man. <laughs> but, uh, right now it's, it's cool because, you know, this year, well, last year we got to, you know, partner with a nonprofit that's super, super uh, important to me. And we're still partnered with them, all of our ambassadors, every pouch that they sell with their ambassador code, give back uh, 20% of every pouch sold 
goes towards a really awesome nonprofit called Gear Forward. And uh, this, this, this nonprofit, what they do is they outfit the next generation, you know, kids that don't have money, don't have the, the necessary means to get outside. He's, he's decking them out with new gear, old gear, getting them out. So it's, yeah, he's just telling me about this, this, uh, this summer camp over in Illinois that they just outfitted. And, uh, for these kids, I mean, he said they're, they're probably the most low income kids in Illinois. And for one week a year in the summer, they get to go outdoors. Uh, but, but for them, the, the camp, they didn't have the resources to, to outfit these kids with tents. So they have these cabins set up. And well, this year, uh, every kid gets a tent and every kid gets not to keep, but they get to stay in a tent while they're there. Over 250 tents have been donated and every single kid that shows up is getting their own sleeping bag. So, you know, hell man, like that's, that's a win in my book because, you know, at the end of the day, man, we need this next generation to be impacted by the outdoors as much as we are. If we, if we have any sense in, in conserving it and, and saving it for future generations. So giving these kids the necessary means and, and allowing them to bring a sleeping bag home, which might transfer into maybe they're sleeping out in their backyard. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe they're going to go on another camping trip because they have a bag now. I mean, that, that sort of thing really hits home for me. Uh, you know, so on top of that, uh, we also are launching that Arizona trail meal, the kick and cactus bowl and 20% of all revenue from every meal sold of that will go towards trail conservation in Arizona. So, you know, we're, we're consistently trying to find impactful nonprofit organizations that we can get involved with. And you guys have been doing the, uh, the gear forward for a little while now, right? That's not something yeah. that, you know, that you were sitting and kind of waiting on, right? So you're not only making an impact, uh, on the, on the conservation front, right. Right. Um, or the footprint front, that's uh, two right there, right. right? But now we're looking at the next generation of outdoorsmen and women. Um, yeah, and and that introduction, dude. That's that's uh, yeah. I mean, that's the stuff. That's that's what makes it all worth it to me, man. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about leaving this. To me, it's like about leaving this place in, a, in better condition than I found it, and you know, finding the, these different avenues to bring it full circle. I mean. That's what, that's what makes that's what makes it so special now within these last couple of years is, you know, Hey man, the beginning when it was, you know, those first several years where I'm trying to figure out technology for the pouch, I'm trying to figure out and navigate the USDA laws, which are completely crazy, man. The bureaucracy is insane. <laughs> I can't even that imagine that realm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the beginning, it was all me. It was, it was, it was, this is my dream. This is what I want to do. This is this, this solution that I want to provide. And, and over the years growing the company, it's, it's, it's awesome, man, because it's allowed me to really, uh, to really just spread our reach to be able to make more impacts. And, you know, like next year, I'm, I'm hoping that we can do more things with more, you know, more nonprofits, uh, it's, it's, that's what makes it, that's what makes it all worthwhile, you know? Well, that impact that you're having too has to be 
at that point of reward that none of it feels like work to a point. No, no, this has never felt like work. You know I mean? I've worked more, you know, quote unquote, there's been more, well, there's been more stress and and more efforts and work and, and just responsibility than I've, than I've had in any other avenue in my life. And, uh, you know, to, 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 to wake up the next day and I'm excited about what's, what, what are the, what are the challenges I'm going to be faced with today? What are, what are the opportunities I'm going to be faced with today? And what am I going to grind on for the future? You know, those things, you know, every day is work. Every day is the, the, you know, you, you can ask my girlfriend, I've been with her for about a year and a half now. You can ask, you know, my family, it, it, the, the amount of, uh, the amount of time I spent on this company is, is, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot, you know, and even when, you know, when it's your own business, I'm sure you can attest to this where, you know, there's no nine to five, there's no clocking out and not thinking about it. No, right. Absolutely. It's not. just a nonstop. It's a nonstop thing in your mind. And for all of that to not feel like work, I mean, man, right. it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I love what I do, and I, I love what we're what we're after, and the mission that we have. And man, it's it makes things so much more worthwhile. That's that's one hundred percent right there. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That is awesome. Definitely uh, makes you consider purchases, right? When you when you hear it like yeah. this, it, it makes you consider your outlook on conservation and impacting that that next generation or that future generation with this. Um, yeah, I hope everybody's hearing that thinks about, you know, those purchases and, you know, what companies are doing to be impactful and better leave this when we're, you know, when we're all out of here, man, that's, that's a big, yeah, man, it's awesome. I mean, when you're, when you're, when you're cold, man, I mean, you got nothing really left other than, well, you got family, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's your legacy. It's, it's what you left behind. And, and did you make, did you make the world a better place? Did you make people happier? Did you, you know, did you do the right thing? I, I really truly believe that those are the things that, that, that I want to be remembered by. Well, that's the stuff Not, that really matters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we tend absolutely. To lose, we tend to lose sight of that in this world of luxury and convenience. Right. But I mean, at the end right. of the day, um, I think all of us would rather leave that legacy than, uh, yeah. you know, anything else. And I think, I think that's, you know, like for instance, with, uh, you know, with Kong Valley and what they're trying to achieve, man, I mean, that's what resonates so hard with me is, is, is the story behind it all. And, and trying to shed light on, on, on different, you know, different people's outtakes and perspectives and trying to really create a community by what, you know, from what they're doing. I mean, that's, that's awesome stuff. Cause you don't see a lot of it. You know, you see a lot of people in, in different communities, different verticals, whether it's hunting or climbing or, you know, really anything, you do see a lot of people that take on that, you know, celebrity persona and they, uh, you know, they make it about themselves and about what they're doing, but, but being able to actually form a community, uh, I think is, is huge, man. And I love what they're doing. Yeah. It's a big deal, man. It is a big deal. That's how, that's how I hooked up with those guys, man. We're, we're on the same page with that kind of stuff. And I don't know how many episodes you've had a chance to listen to, 
Um, but to me that the community part of it is huge, right? So, you know, we're talking yep. to, we're talking to the average guy all the way up to, you know, those seasoned guys. And yeah, it's a big deal, man. Building that community just strengthens us, um, you know, helps ensure it for the future. And, you know, yeah, it's a big deal. Big, big deal. Absolutely. So absolutely. I kind of know your stance on it, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because I do it on every episode, man. So give us, yeah. give us your take, if you haven't already, on conservation, <laughs> man. A one to two minute deal. Um, the importance of, we, we know what you're doing, uh, what your boots right. on the ground action is. Um, but give us, but give us your spiel on conservation, man. Well, you know, I think that, I think that, you know, as far as like this country goes, you know, our efforts in conservation and are, uh, are tremendous compared to, you know, a lot of different cultures. Right. But like I said before, you know, you can always do better, you know, like there's always going to be bad apples. There's always going to be people that aren't informed or don't, don't understand maybe, you know, behind it. Like, like, you know, you get somebody that, that, uh, you know, not to get too much off the topic, but you get somebody that maybe is littering, right. That, you know, they're driving down the highway in their car and they throw a, a McDonald's wrapper out the window. Right. You know, those people might not understand the full implication. They might never have had that, that, that opportunity to, to be in nature, to be in the bad country, and, and unaffected by other people's litter or, or they've never had that opportunity to be back there and then find that litter and have it piss them off. Um, I think, you know, conservation is critical. I mean, it is absolutely critical. Uh, you know, without it, I think that, you know, you're, you, you know, without, without having that norm, um, you know, it's, 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 it's frowned upon to litter. It's, it's frowned upon to poach it's frowned upon to do all these sorts of things. And I think that that's at the core of, of that mindset of conservation where, you know, it's that community, it's that mindset, it's that perspective that is so critical to keeping everything accessible, to keeping everything clean, to keeping, you know, to keeping things uh, morally and ethically responsible. Right. Um, so when it comes to conservation, I just think, I, I really do think it's, it's, it's something that needs to continue to grow. And that's what I love about the hunting community. Cause if you look at, you know, several different communities across the board in the outdoor industry, the hunting community is, is very much at the forefront of, of conservation and wildlife management. Um, and I think that that gets overlooked by a lot of people that aren't a part of the community, maybe. You know, without the management, you know, you know, hey man, grizzly bears are, you know, they they're not cute and cuddly. No. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh they're they're magnificent creatures and I, I don't think that they should be uh that they should be driven out. I, I think that there's a lot of actually there's a lot of uh states with land that, that don't have grizzlies anymore that, that could that could potentially uh bring them back in a manageable way. Uh, to, to utilize that land like it was meant to be. But I think that, you know, in large, it's, it's all about management. You know, it's all about making sure that you stand up for, for the generations that come after you. Making sure that the same public access that I, that I go to is, is there or accessible 
to, to my kids or, you know, my grandkids. I think that's everything, man. And if, if you lose your voice, if people lose their voice, that's when corporate greed gets in the way. That's when development gets in the way, you know? So I, I really, my hat's off to, to everybody that's a part of that solution. Everybody that's part of the conservation, anybody that's willing to have those conversations too, you know, cause that's a huge part of it. The dialogue. Big, big deal. And, and unfortunately when we lose that voice or lose that access, you know, nine times out of 10, we're not getting it back. No, no, absolutely not. You know, you got to fight tooth and nail for it. And, you know, I know, I know there's a big problem, you know, in specific parts of Montana where you have all of this public land, man. I mean, just an overwhelming amount of public land, but there's only one or two ways to access it. And, you know, some of those, I'm thinking, you know, right now I'm thinking of like places like the crazy mountains, you know, there's only one or two ways to access the crazy mountains. And, and the one access I'm thinking of, you have to go through somebody's ranch to access it. Yeah. And, and I mean, you, yeah. And that mountain range is just unbelievable. It's, it's huge. But if you want to do elk hunting on the, on the side nearest to Livingston, you better know somebody that's going to help you out on their, on their ranch. Cause you know, the chances of you trekking through that whole entire mountain range to get to the other side to pop an elk and, you know, bring it back are just not likely, man, <laughs> you know? So I really think that, uh, I think that people have to really take a stand and, 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 and then that goes into like the climbing and the backpacking, the hiking, the, you know, all the different, all the different verticals within the outdoor industry. The one thing that we can all come together on is, is conservation and public land and public land access. So yeah, that, that, and then, you know, you got, you got management of wildlife. That's, that's also critical. I think, you know, keeping healthy populations of the elk herds and other wildlife species is, is absolutely critical too. Mm -hmm. And with that one, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that, right. And you said it, but I, when you start crossing those verticals, you look at the hunting community and right. I think we're more concerned with that wildlife, right? People want access. Absolutely. You know, they want to be able to use the public lands, but I don't know if they look at the whole picture like we do. And that, that might be misstated on my, on my part. Well, I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this, you know, I'll say that there's probably no better, no better community that's more in touch with with what's happening to the wildlife, mm-hmm. right? Full circle community. A- absolutely. I mean, that's cause that's the name of the game, right? And at the end of the day, when you're talking about a re-intro- reintroduction or an introduction to a non-native species, you know, to somebody that might not, might not be involved in the hunting community that might not be uh, intimately involved with that wildlife species or wildlife species of that area. I think it's easily overlooked and easily misunderstood, right? You know, there's, yeah, absolutely. But, but hunters in the hunting community, I think, have a really good grasp on healthy population and, you know, maintaining those populations for, for future generations. Cause, you know, some people might, you know, that aren't in touch with hunting. You know, I was, I was over in Asia talking to a couple from London and 
tell them about some hunting experiences and stuff. And, you know, at first they were kind of taken aback by it and they really didn't understand, uh, you know, they didn't really understand hunting in general. You know, why would you, why would you go and, uh, you know, kill an animal in the wild? And, and when you can go to the store and you can buy the meat, that's already there. Oh, don't get me going on that one. Dude, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're talking to a guy who like, I, I, I don't buy meat from the, from the supermarket. I, I don't, I mean, I might mix in a little bit of chicken every now and then. Cause I, I, I've, uh, I haven't been able to find a reliable source for chickens <laughs> yet, but, um, you know, man, if you're a meat eater, if you're a carnivore, uh, to me, there's no more ethical way than, than hunting. And, 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 and on that note, man, I mean, processing your own wild game and, and having it literally like nose to tail, you're eating nose to tail. You've taken this life. You, you have that blood on your hands. You know what it feels like. I personally don't like to kill, you know, animals. Like I don't, I don't get the enjoyment from the kill. Uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's enjoyment of the successful hunt. It's enjoyment of, you know, everything that went into it, the preparedness, everything. And then the meat, you know, it's, it's, but it's not about like this, this, uh, this, this blood thirst, this bloodlust that I have. Right. It's, 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 it's not a good feeling for me to, to kill an animal, but at the same time, it's this mutual understanding and it's this, this, this knowing of, Hey man, the blood's on my hands. It's not on, it's not on the Joe Schmo that I, I have no idea where and when and how it's it the blood's on my hands. Right. Well, that, and, that brings me that what you said brings yeah. me back to the thought of intimacy, because in my opinion, that's where that intimacy comes in is oh, 100%. in that butchering process, right? Taking that from field to plate. That to me is where the real intimacy is. Um, right. And that that admiration for that, for yeah. that, you know, sustenance that that animal gave. I mean, that's, that's a big, big deal there. Yeah. I mean, just the ability to process your own meat too. I, like you said, it's, 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 it's every step of the, of the process to getting your meat. And to me, it, there's no better feeling to open up my freezer and say, you know, I'm going to have this mule deer or this antelope from 2007, mm. you know, <laughs> tastes like way better than, uh, man, on the store too. Yeah. It's just, you, know, you remember the day, you remember the day it happened. You remember the story. You remember everything that went into that. And you remember butchering it. You remember processing it. You know, exactly when it, what went into that meat, man, there's, has been untouched. And that back to that intimacy that you said, I mean, there's, to me, there's, there's no, one of the most surreal moments in a successful hunt for me is, is that moment of walking up to the animal mm -hmm. and touching oh, yeah. it for the first time, running your hands through its hide. And you're like, man, this is the first time a human has ever touched this. This, this has been, this is as wild as it gets. And it's just, man, it's an, it's an incredible feeling. It's almost indescribable, right? I mean, it's the same admiration right. and beauty laying there after the shot than, at least to us, most of us, yeah. than when it was on hoof. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and that's the thing too, with, with processing the meat yourself, you know, it's, it's, 
the, everything that goes into it, man, like, you know, like there's no easy part about it. No, you know, the, the hunt, that's not easy, you know, that, and then, and then, and then processing that, that animal, you know, especially if you got a huge elk, I mean, there's just so much work, you know, packing it out and, and cleaning it and packaging it. I mean, a lot for me, it's, it's always a lot of long nights and, you know, it's, it, it really makes you appreciate it versus if you just go to a grocery store, you buy that beef, you make some burgers, you throw them down the hatch and that's it. Well, and, and you know? so I, I went back to the intimacy, but I'm going to go back to, and maybe not the same way, but the waste we are as hunters, we are far less likely to waste our yeah. game than if we if anybody goes to the grocery store and and picks up that two pound back of T-bones um, right or ground meat. Right. I I absolutely yeah, ground meat from how many different how many yeah. different cows. Right? I'll gorge myself with the two last pieces of, you know, chili verde yeah. venison. So it doesn't waste. Man, or, or just the, or just, or just making elk heart, you know, or, or mule deer heart or whitetail heart. I mean, when's the last time you saw people buying heart from the grocery store, right? Not, <laughs> I mean, not knowingly. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it, man. Not knowingly. You know, and it's so funny because when I, you know, that's, that's one of my favorite part, you know, like that's, that's, that for me is like, you know, if it's a successful hunt, everything goes right. And, you know, and I harvest that animal and that first, that first day, that first night, that heart is getting eaten, man. And it's so funny because, you know, like last year I was able to bring the elk heart home and, you know, I'm an, I started inviting, you know, a handful of people, you know, like, Hey, come on over. I got some elk heart. You gotta try it. You gotta try it. And just the amount of people that were off put by it, oh, it's yeah. just, <laughs> It's amazing. Oh, it's it's just crazy. amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah. they're they're so disconnected from it, right? But yeah. but the cow that's you know, especially the factory farms, um yep. that it's like how how do you have a problem with this, but you don't have a problem with that? This this is as yeah. organic as it gets, right? It, that disconnect from from the food is just phenomenal yeah right and then they shun us or look down on us or you know have have some yeah. snive comment when it comes to it and it's just like man how much waste goes into processing that cow right i mean how much is yeah. just thrown to the side and we're trying to utilize most of us are trying to utilize every bit of that animal and it doesn't have Nose to be the heart tail. right it doesn't even have to be the heart i've i've you know said oh here you go you know taste this oh i don't want to eat that what is that deer yeah Oh, I don't right, that. right. You know, it's like what in the world is the best meat you're ever gonna put your teeth into? Right. You know, uh, my I, favorite. Uh, my favorite I mean, is sneaking bear. Yeah. Sneaking bear in on them. That one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> you want to see somebody's face? Just you know, look oh, at I'm you sure. like USOB. What is this? I'm this sure, is delicious. Man. This is bear. <laughs> I find it fascinating. You know, I, I really do. I mean, you know, to say. Real quick, I I did the same thing with uh, uh, bone uh, bone broth uh -huh. with my elk and mule deer this year. I made a really mean bone broth, and I, I, I can think of one person in particular that I had over for dinner one night, and I didn't tell him until after. I said, "Dude, those bones have been sitting in the freezer for the last few months. I just made some really bomb ass, you know." <laughs> <laughs> 
it, it just like looked at me like you bastard, man. Like this, this, this stare of like, yeah, I can't believe you did that. But, uh, you know, what's fascinating to me too, though, is like, where do people draw the line? Where, where does the line get drawn with, 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 uh, you know, with, with game and, and, and animals and, and what, what's okay to eat, what's not okay to eat. Right. You know, cause some people might look at it and say, Oh yeah, I have no problem with eating whitetail. I have no problem with eating those. You know, they're in abundance. They're everywhere. But you know, someone that might not be familiar with like elk or something like that, that it, it's just, it takes on this whole other mystical thing where it's like, you know, or like hunting bears, you know, that's another thing too, where it's like, you know, a lot of people will look at, you know, those Disney movies or like, you know, Nat Geo and they're like cute cuddly bears, you know, and, and they don't, they don't associate it with food. And, uh, so that's always fascinating to me. I mean, I was in Vietnam on a motorcycle for three months and, uh, you know, big thing in the North is, is eating dog. And for me, like that's, that was where it got really interesting because it's being served everywhere. You know, they do a lot of farming of these dogs too. And, and at first I'm like, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Everyone I knew was like, you're fucking, you're an asshole. You're crazy. No way, dude. You're going to, you're going on your own on that one. And, uh, you know, I, I walked down to this, this place that this Vietnamese person told me to go right next to these railroad tracks. It was, a a huge alley. It was nicknamed dog meat alley. And, uh, you know, I kind of went in there, you know, like I'm going to eat some dog, man. And, you know, I got there and, and just seeing it up in person and seeing it all go down. Like I sat down at a, a local cafe there. Cause you know, Vietnamese drink coffee. Like it's like, it's water, man. So I, I sit down, I start drinking a coffee and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta think about this for a second. <laughs> I need to, I need to, this is happening way too fast. I need to process it. Hang on. And I'm sitting there having a cup of coffee and I, I ultimately came to the realization. I was like, man, I, I, I can't do it right now. I can't do it. And, and I left Vietnam without eating dog. And to me, that was like, you know, that's, it's, 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 you know, it, it just didn't seem right, I guess. But like, who, you know, culturally, like, you know, right. uh, relativity, it's like, you know, who, who am I to say? Right. But it's just, it's fascinating that, you know, I get back to the States and we're talking about wild game and hunting where you see these people drawing a line at certain animals that I don't, uh, it was really fascinating to kind of, kind of be in the other side of the, the camp and, and say, man, the line's right there. <laughs> I, you know, and I've been, I've been chomping at this, this mountain lion thing for a little while now. Right. And, and yeah. I hear that it's absolutely delicious. That's and, what I hear too. Yeah. And, uh, initially I was like, nah, not a cat. Right. But the more I hear it and the, and the more I explore going to hunt them, the more intrigued I am and the more that I want to taste it. Right. So I think it's just yeah. getting past that mental block. Um, <sighs> Absolutely. And like you said, yeah, because I hear it's like white meat, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. Say. I hear. I've had people tell me that it's better than you know, better than really, really good pork. So yeah, yeah I'm I'm super curious, man. Super lean and just yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that mental block on that, you know, that uh, yeah, getting past that initially, you know, in in preparing at some point to do that hunt. I don't want to hunt something that I, that I'm not going to put on the table. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. Absolutely. 
but yeah, that's, I don't know if I could pass the dog. The dog thing would be, it'd probably be a little bit <laughs> rough, right? It was rough and rugged, man. I mean, I bought a, I bought a motorcycle for like $180 in Saigon and, and just driving through the country. And I heard that people ate dog in the North. That was a thing. And as I was driving North, man, like you just start seeing, you start seeing all crazy shit. Like <laughs> I got, dude, you're driving, you're driving down the road, man, on the old Ho Chi Minh highway and, uh, haven't seen anyone for days. And boom, all of a sudden this guy on a scooter with a cage full, like 30 dogs on the back of a moped scooter wow. comes whipping by you. And you're just like, what the hell was that, man? <laughs> you know, it was, it's, it was definitely different, man. I remember before we went North and we were like almost to the midpoint of the country, we stopped at this like local little stand on the side of the road and, uh, you know, we're all drinking a Coca-Cola and, uh, there's these puppies just running around playing and we were like, you know, playing with the puppies and, and they're cute, man. And, uh, I remember this old Vietnamese guy just staring at us like, what the hell are you doing playing with my food? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it before you dropped it, but I was thinking it. <laughs> Don't play oh man! Food, I mean, speaking of that, I you know we were in the market uh, up in near Hanoi, and uh, this this lady that we had met one of the hostels, she was with us for the day. Uh, she was a hardcore you know vegan vegetarian, uh, no meat, nothing, and uh, we came across one of these stands with dogs, and you know all these puppies are kind of playing around in this in this little fenced in area. And she's like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to buy one of those dogs and I'm going to set it free, you know? And in my head, I was like, Oh man, this might not work out very well. <laughs> this, this might not work out at all. And you know, so she, so she sat there and, you know, played with these dogs for a while and, and picked out the one that she wanted to save. And, uh, man, she, she points says that's the one hands over the money. And before, like in a blink of an eye, man, this guy just picked up the dog and, you know, snapped its neck right in front of us. And it was just like a holy fuck moment, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but it was like, right, right. No, I you know, in my head, yeah. I was like, I kind of saw it maybe going, going here. I, you know, it was, it was definitely crazy, man. And it's just, I mean, like you said, culturally, right. That's what, uh. That's Absolutely. What used to, so you know, you just uh, they, uh, one of these one of these little towns up in Mao Chai. Uh, we were there for a few nights on the bike, and there was nothing really going on as far as food, and it was just a very small rural village. And uh, I just they had one, you know, I, I say uh, convenience store very lightly. You know, it's like basically someone's living room with a few bags of chips. You know. And, uh, we were driving around trying to find some actual food and there was, uh, there was like a little vendor on the side of the road and he had a freaking it looked like a domestic cat on a rotisserie spit. I, I was, I just, I was like, nope, nope, no, let's go get a bag of chips, man. <laughs> Back to the <laughs> like, I'm eating onions tonight, dude. Yeah. 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 That, uh... I, the, since you bring that up, I mean, it is, I, I guess when you look at it from, from that side of things, right. It, it yeah. kind of puts it in perspective to a point when people are saying, you know, how could you, how could you, how could you, 
right? Right. But I don't know that right. they have the convenience of going to the grocery store like yeah. we do, right? No, so there's a, there's a different disconnect there, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think purely, you know, in a lot of those rural towns, you know, it's 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 it's, uh, you know, I think I think it's 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 eat what you can. I mean, a lot of these markets in Laos that I was at too, you know, they had, I mean, they looked like full on sewer rats, man, rats, bats, you name it. Just you know, either either uh, sun dried or some of them were like living, running around in a little cage and this old lady was just selling rat meat with, uh, with lettuce. Like you just wrap up the rat meat with some lettuce and throw it down the hatch. And it's like, you know, on those areas and, and, and that culture is like, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a lot more leaning towards survival. Right. Right. Yeah. But, I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest not to be judgmental. <laughs> about rats and bats man <laughs> oh man yeah i mean I'll, I'll i'll eat a lot of things dude but i try and stay away from the rats bats monkeys and and and, and yeah, you know right. anything i would keep as a pet right yeah, yeah that I'd so. lose, i i would lose my shit there's no i couldn't even get it close to my mouth <laughs> <laughs> absolutely man but you know it's it's interesting because you do see uh, a lot of transitioning happen and 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 northern Vietnam and, and, and southern China uh, over in like uh, I think it's Yulon province. Um, but I mean, you do see you know you talk to the younger generation, a lot of the younger Vietnamese guys and girls. Like you talk to them, and they're like, "Hey, yeah, I mean, we have animals as pets. Like, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat a dog. I'm not going to eat a cat." Um, you know, so I, I think it's really fascinating that the 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 uh, the conversation's changing up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating to see how other people's, how other people are living and what other people's views on that are, you know? Yeah. And that, and I mean, it's important to accept that, right. And not, as, yeah. as, you know, we can joke about it and, you know, I'm not going to bite yeah. on a rat, but you know, to accept that, um, that's their culture or that, you know, it's their choice to do it. That's what we're looking for as, as, you know, hunters, Yeah, right. This is my choice yeah. to do this. So that's, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like, you know, I'm not up there, you know, protesting these dogs and trying to shut down these little shops, right. you know? Right. And I think that that's, that's, that has a lot to be said. It's just, it's just this mutual respect of a culture, uh, that I don't really necessarily understand. And, you know, tying it back into the hunting community, I think that a lot of a lot of what's going on now is, you know, you got a lot of people in the city, or you know, people that have never been to the backcountry, never had wild game meat, and it's just this lack of understanding. And then, you know, you get that person seeing one wrong thing on social media. Oh, done. Deal. And done deal, man. Done deal. They're they're convinced. Yeah. And that's, what's cool about, you know, Kong Valley and what you are doing, man. It's, 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 you guys are shining light on, you know, the moral ethical, uh, you know, the, 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 the majority of the community, right. Telling those stories. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, I think Jonathan, said, yeah, it's like Jonathan, I think said in that one podcast you guys did, it was, uh, you know, you, you could have 20, 20 meaningful conversations and, 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 you have one thing, one picture, one person, and that's that's the thing that gets attached to it. That's the stigma. That's the perspective. That's what gets remembered a lot of the time. 
So yeah, that that one uh, that one bad thing, man, takes away twenty attaboys, right? I mean, it just yeah, uh, absolutely, man. Especially when when they already have their blinders on and don't want to yeah see any other perspective. I mean, it just it takes it all away. It's yeah. Unfortunately, it always feels like an uphill battle, man. And I think that's why we need to, you know, yeah, embrace the community and and really, yeah, you know, uh, it sounds cliche, but you know, come together and uh, make yep. sure that we're representing it in a light that is uh, deserving of it. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing like with conservation in general. I mean, you know, you got this moral, ethical community that that needs to set the tone and set the environment set the cultural standard, you know, no longer, you know, you know, now, especially with social media, the way it is and anybody having access to posting whatever they want, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, it's important to have that perspective be mutually understandable in a community to where, you know, you might be deterring some people that might want to post something that is not tasteful or respectful, they would deter them from maybe posting it just because they realize, well, man, the amount of backlash I'm going to get for posting that or the amount, you know what I mean? It's, I think that's important, man. Well, I mean, and it's, it's funny, right? I mean, you got bad seeds and everything, right? You got, you know, you got the one guy that, oh, my one, you know, Mylar package isn't going to hurt, you know, or, you know, right. I'm tired of hearing this. I'm posting it. And, but that stuff matters, right? That one package matters yeah. um, for the scrutiny. The one post can matter. You know, it's important yeah. to to keep that at the forefront of your mind when you are, you know, in something like this and are passionate about it, that it, it today's day and age, it, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. I mean, what if what if that, you know, what if everybody thought that way? Oh, it's just just one person i just just me you know but that's the sad truth is is you know one person can add up to several people and i mean know, one, but, but having yeah. that yeah that what's one that per, that one person is a hundred mylar packages at the end of the day if you know if yeah. uh, we're all thinking that you know it just it's a it's a downward spiral right if we yeah if we're not conscious of that at all times, whether it's, you know, out in the woods and leaving the Mylar package or the post or any of it. Yeah. The representation is just, you know, horrible. And then who's going to get blamed yeah. for the package out in the woods, right? Yeah. And maybe just this conversation that we're having right now is just enough to deter maybe one person, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then it one person good. that's back there about to burn it. And they're like, man, Guy and Andrew wouldn't think that's pretty cool of me. So, yeah, I mean, but that, but you know. you know, and people don't think about it on that level. So, if if this gets out to a thousand people, you know yeah. what I mean, just affecting ten of those people. Yeah. What if those ten people have two people with them? You know what I mean? It's a, it's a, yep, yep. it's a vortex Small. of. It sounds stupid. It's a yep. vortex of 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 goodness. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Seriously, man. I mean. I really truly believe in small acts lead to big thinking. Yeah, it, it really does. It really, really does. It's hugely important. And if we all look at it that way, I mean, think about yep. that impact on the other side of things. Yep. Two more guys having this conversation and then two more guys after them having the conversation. So it's a big deal. Absolutely. Man. Absolutely. So if people want to reach out, man, and, and get a hold of you, if they have any questions on uh, Sasquatch, how do they do that, man? 
Yeah. I mean, uh, if you got any questions, you, you, you know, have any concerns, you just want to reach out, say what's up, uh, you know, or Instagram, uh, Sasquatch fuel, drop us a DM, you know, uh, you can go on our website, sasquatchfuel.com and go to the contact page, send out an email and, uh, you know, or go on Facebook, send us a message. We're pretty diligent about getting back to everybody. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely always open to con- to conversation and you know, whatever's on your mind, let, let us know, let us know. Anything in closing? Uh, you know, not, not a whole lot other than, you know, I really appreciate you having me on here. I love what you're doing. And, uh, you know, maybe if this conversation, like you said, like we said, if maybe if it just affects one person, uh, then that's a win. Good deal, man. Good deal. Well, I greatly appreciate the time, man. Um, I appreciate your efforts and what you're doing with Sasquatch fuel and, uh, making an impact, not just, uh, with conservation and preservation, but you know, in the future outdoors, men and, and women out there, man, with, uh, with helping out those little ones too, man. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's the mission. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on, man. Yes, sir. You can catch up with Sasquatch Fuel on Instagram at Sasquatch Fuel. Or to learn more about Sasquatch Fuel adventure food, go to SasquatchFuel.com. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.